Welcome to the show, man. Sports Hip Hop with DJ Mad Max, Live 265, IR Radio. We have the one and only Taylor Nichols joining me here on the show here today. You may know him from his roles in Jurassic Park 3, The Walking Dead, 1BR, Metropolitan, Barcelona. We can go on and on, but welcome to the show, man. It's an honor. How's everything going? How's your Thursday afternoon? Thanks very much, man. It's good to be here. Um, you know, Thursday's good. Thursday always starts for me with a thing called Bike the Strike. Okay. Where we, because right now the actors are on strike, SAG That's actors right. on strike. You know, the writers settled their strike a couple of weeks ago. I think everybody thought that the actors would follow soon. And uh, things have kind of broken down. Um, since May, when the writers went on strike, a group of writers and actors together have been doing this thing where we get out on our bikes and we bike from one strike location at Warner Brothers to Disney to Universal. We go around Griffith Park to Netflix and Paramount and kind of rally the troops. So that's how my Thursday morning started. <laughs> Unbelievable. And we know it's been going on for months now. Have you had to like kind of predict how much longer this may be for you guys? Because I'm someone that just got into acting recently and had some things earlier this year and then it shut down. How much longer do you think it could take? Well, let me first say that, uh, you know, when there's a strike going on, Sometimes that's a good time to get into the business because there's a whole world of non-union jobs opening up that are getting a little bit more uh, uh, attention that the after uh, that the SAG after actors you know really really can't do. So sometimes that's that's good unless you have just joined SAG, you know, then you're in a bind. I I think we're we're in for not settling it until after Thanksgiving. Um, I. I I, I don't know that. I, I have no inside knowledge. I, I spent the weekend with a, a director and a producer, and the three of us were kind of talking about the whole situation. And the producer, buddy of mine, um, was saying that it seems like since we didn't settle right away after the act, after the writers signed, excuse me, that the studios are have, have a little bit more leeway to kind of hang on while. And then between Thanksgiving and Christmas, if they can sign with the actors so that we will start shooting after the holidays, that seemed to make time sense to the producer. Now, he he doesn't know either. He's, you know, he's not a studio head and ultimately comes down to the studio heads who, you know, of course, make billions of dollars re regardless of whether we are shooting TV shows or not. Yeah, I know Ron Perlman was really outspoken. You probably saw what he said on Twitter, kind of just exposed some of the higher ups there. And it's unfortunate that that's how the higher ups view it, because actors deserve to get paid what they're worth. But how have you been keeping busy during this time during the strike? Because I know you want to direct the feature film. That's one of your goals. So have you been mapping out some ideas for that eventually? Yeah, you've done your homework. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have. I've been working on a couple of projects. Um, I, 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 I do a lot of theater work. And so I've been, I've been very involved in that since May when the TV and film work kind of stopped. Um, so that, that keeps me, me busy. And I worked with a writer, um, Eric Gernand about turning his play, The Beautiful Dark into a screenplay. And we've taken it out to a couple, um, production, uh, houses. And uh, it, it's a really wonderful film. It's 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 a it's a, a a beautiful look at a very dark dark subject, which the film is is sort of about a mother who's afraid that her adult son, college age son, is about to commit an act of violence. You know, a school shooting or something. She's not quite sure. And it's about what the parent does. And you know, every time I see 
uh, school shooting or a workplace shooting, it makes me think of how important this film, The Beautiful Dark, could be in the marketplace about shining the light on what happens in that family before the kid shows up at a school or a workplace or something like that. So that's what I'm working on. And, you know, it really is syphilis. Uh, syphilis. <laughs> um, what's the name of the guy that puts the rock that pushes the rock up the hill? Uh, oh, man. It, it, it's not syphilis. I know that. <laughs> but, it, it, you know, it really is a struggle. So I've been doing that. And also, I got to tell you, I joined your world. Uh, I, I have a podcast called Bike Talk. I'm a big biker, I think, as I said earlier about biking the strike. And uh, we've been getting into, you know, working working on that and getting that out there. And that's at biketalk.org. Oh, wow. Who are some guests that you've had on? Because now that you're in the whole podcasting world, that's a big thing. Everyone wants to get Yeah, it's on. totally a big thing. And it's really fun. I got to tell you, you know, mostly what we talk about is bicycles and safe streets and, and urban planning. So we have a lot of urban planning people. Jeff Speck, a, a writer who wrote The Walkable City, Earl Blumenhauer, who's a, a congressman from Oregon, who's a big, big bike advocate, um, safe street advocates. Uh, urbanism people, you know, people that 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 want to change our built environment so that it's more healthy and more comfortable and more pleasurable to walk and bike around where you live. Where where are you? Are you in New York? I'm in Connecticut because I went to school at St. John's, so I was local. I'm local in the Tri-State, so I live in Connecticut. Oh, okay, okay. I, I I thought you were back east, but I but I wasn't sure. I'm in Los Los Angeles, obviously. Yeah. 1992, you made the move. Very good. Yeah. I, it was really great. I, I had lived in New York about uh, eight, nine years and I got a job. I don't know if you remember James Garner, but he was a big TV film star from the you know 50s and 60s and stuff like that. And my first job was- so You had was a pilot a, with him. I, I did a pilot and then we did, then we went to series and uh, that's what brought me from New York out to LA. And all of a sudden I was like, LA is pretty good, man. Yeah. You know, it's the, the, the weather's good. The- you know, you can, I hadn't had a car for about 10 years. And so it was nice to have a car again. And, uh, and it was, and there's just, there was just more work in Los Angeles in the nineties. Do you feel as though the, the work kind of has changed a little bit? Cause there's people that are still in New York because if you're on Broadway, if you're so passionate about the theater, you're going to want to stay out in New York for the Broadway and you, Absolutely. you off Broadway. Absolutely. do you think it's still the same way where there's still more opportunities out in LA? Yeah, I do. Um, the the business has changed. You're right, and it it has. Um, I don't want to say segregated, but it has it has split. Now Atlanta is a big place. Chicago is a big place with you know two or three, four shows there. Vancouver has been a big uh, place for work for a long time. In fact, I used to see more friends of mine in Vancouver at the bar at the Sutton at the Sutton Place, the the big hotel where most of the actors stay, than I would see them on the streets of L.A. Um, so. I do think the 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 world is fractured and it's split up and we shoot more on location now and things like that because it's oftentimes cheaper with uh union rates and things like that. But th- there was a quote that um all actors, you know, have to pay taxes, all actors are going to die and all actors have to spend 10 10 years in LA. And I do think that's still true. I agree. Yeah, I think you have to make the move to LA. But something that was so important to me learned about your journey, and I think it speaks about everyone today, whether it's in podcasting, 
doing facial products, whatever it is, everyone's trying to get famous right away. You weren't working to be a star. You were working for the love of it. And that's an issue with my generation because yeah, they don't want to get famous right away. And it takes away from people who are actually serious, who want to get fame eventually off of what they love doing instead of just going for the fame. Going right for away. the fame. And, you know, we, we see that, you know, we, people, you know, on Instagram and TikTok and, and they're really just going for, you know, for, for views and likes and things like that, rather than putting in the work. You know, I, I teach an acting class UCLA? And, uh, at, at UCLA, but I also have a private class and my private class has been really exciting lately because, you know, acting class is usually a bunch of young people, but I had this group of, you know, middle-aged women in the class and, and a couple of middle-aged men. And it was such a wonderful experience to be working with them. They were working directors and writer producers in the business and they had wanted to take an acting class. And so we, we were all in this class and it was just really fun to see how people work. And I think the younger students in the class really learned from these older women, mostly about the struggles that it takes to one, be a good actor, but two, create a, a body of work that that will sustain you in the long run. You know, these these one hit wonders, either in acting or on you know social media, just don't last. And, no. you know, you know, going back to the strike, sorry to go back to the strike, but, you know, that's why we need a union. We we need a union because people need to be protected for their work in the long run. That's how I get my health care. That's how I get my, that's how I'll get my pension when I when I reach that, you know, ripe old age. Um, and that's how I get protection on the set. That's important. And that's just the first time I've really heard anyone break it down and speak about it because, yeah, it comes with everything, healthcare, and just it keeps you secure because that's not what it is. A lot of times you get these new guys, these one hit wonders, and they just take them right away. And it's like, well, what happened to the guy that put in 10 plus years of work? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, sometimes the one hit wonders are great and, and they you know, become real wonders and they become real, you know, r- you know, real working actors. Uh, you know, Timothy Chalamet comes to mind. I, I forgot what the first thing I saw him in was, but just, you know, he's just an interesting actor and, you know, he's going to have a long career now, but he started off, you know, sort of at the top. He didn't, he didn't start off by doing, you know, walk-ons and, and, you know, small roles and under fives and all those things that, that we often talk about. Um, and in many cases, I was lucky that way. Also, my my first movie was was Metropolitan back in 1991. And the the movie made by Whit Stillman ended up going to the Academy Awards, being nominated for Academy Award, went to the Cannes Film Festival, the Sundance Film Festival. So it really opened a lot of doors. It was really, really a nice intro into the film and TV world. I love hearing the story about you getting the part because I think you were taking acting classes during the time and you got off early dressed as a preppy kid and went out there and auditioned. And I think, you know, that's so funny. You you bring that up. Uh, uh, That's exactly what happened. I was, I was, I was studying acting with a guy named Terry Schreiber in New York. He has a studio in New York called T T Schreiber studios. And I was playing the role of a preppy kid. And um, I actually left the acting class early with a, a woman that I was dating at the time. And she and I went to this audition and there were like 500 people there. It was really, it, w- it was insane. It was listed in this 
um, acting newspaper called Backstage, which is still in print today. And I just saw the ad in Backstage that said, you know, preppy actors for independent movie. And so I showed up having no idea. I didn't I hadn't read the script. I didn't know anything. And uh, the the woman, the young woman I was with uh, said, I'm not going to wait for this. You know, so she split and we made plans to meet later, you know, for a, a, a beer or something. And I, I hung in there and and waited it out and I got cast. You know, I mean, not not just on that day. I got seen on that day and then called back. And then I did read the script and, and auditioned with, you know, the director and doing doing scenes. But I think I was one of the first actors cast. And, uh, it, it, you know, it, it's really a marvelous film. It's 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 been around for what, 35 years or something. And it still plays a lot at the American Cinematheque. It still plays on the holidays. Um, and there are retro screenings. So it's a, it's a film I'm proud of. Yeah. The 30th anniversary screening a few years ago. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wanted to get into my film here. That was, it wasn't my introduction cause I was familiar with the work before cause I've seen you in other stuff, but one BR, I mean, oh, yeah. that, that role just blew me away. It's Jerry. That's yeah. it, it's insane because <laughs> cults are so real. When you look at, especially in Hollywood, because we've seen a few actresses and actors recently. I think Allison Mack was involved in a cult. She was on Smallville. So right. it's scary how it could really happen to people. Did you? Yeah. Did the director of that make you kind of do some research behind on cults and different things like that? You know, d- directors don't usually do that. They sort of expect you to do that. And and I did do that. Um, I I had met the producer and the director ahead of time and uh, read read the script and and was really taken by it because I thought. It was a, a psychological thriller, not a horror movie. It was kind of, um, I think my agent said it's kind of a horror movie. And and then I was like, oh, I don't know about that. And then I read it and realized it was a, psych- a psychological thriller. But I, I too, am, am drawn in by those kinds of, you know, cults, you know, where sometimes acting teachers are are, are sort of cult-like, you know. And and that's not good. And, and no. so it's it's really easy for people to go down that rabbit hole. I think the the line that sealed it for me in, in the movie with your performance was we can end it right now. And then you pull out the little <laughs> that and the ice pick in the neck. Yeah. Uh, but you know, what's also interesting about that project is um, it was a very low budget film and we, we actually filmed it over the, over the winter holidays um, when we could get studio space cheaply and the actors were free and not working on other projects. And I think it goes to this idea that, you know, actors have to work. You have to work. And sometimes I I have heard sometimes your career is, is, um, you know, your career is shaped by the jobs that you turn down. And maybe that's been my mistake in life because I turned down very few jobs and uh, I just believe actors need to work. And in a case like one BR, it paid off well. You know, it didn't pay a lot of money up front, but the film has done well. I think it was number one on Netflix for a little while and it, it has paid off in the long run. So I was really glad that I did it. It's on Peacock right now. Cause I remember I saw, I think last year I saw it on there. I was blown away because when we look at older, cause I know it's more psychological thriller, but when we look at older horror films like Halloween, that was low budget and that movie took off once totally. the critics got it. Right. Well, Sam Raimi, you know, is, is the king of that. Oh yeah, uh, evil Bruce, Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi. Those yeah. guys, I love those guys. I, I actually did a movie with Bruce a long time ago and, uh, 
he he's just a, a delightful actor and a, a riot. He's just a riot to work with. He's he's he he takes the work seriously, but he is very funny. Oh, you could tell, especially when he's at these panels, he's really into it. And he really gives back to that franchise too. He loves the Evil Dead yeah. franchise. That's where he made his name. That's where he got his start. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Are you kind of a horror movie guy? Psychological thriller? You know, I'm not really. I'm 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 an independent movie guy. I'm mm-hmm. I'm not a sci-fi movie guy. Uh, uh, I, I I I I'm just you know I like I like small stories. I like independent stories. I like Todd. Todd Fields, you know, um, Tar and the Little Children and In the Bedroom. And um, um, I'm just drawn to to smaller, more personal stories. Mm. And we see that's what you're passionate about. And now with everything lining up, do you know if there's casting companies like what you're trying to see now that are starting to put some films together? I know with the strike, they're really not doing much work, but yeah, is, no, is I'm, there gonna be I'm something sure that up? they are. Yeah. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to. Oh no! Is there going to be something lined up? Are you looking for something to have something lined up as soon as the strike is over? Anything in motion in that way? You know, I think I'm I'm sure that people are, um, and I hope that my agent is. <laughs> um, but I also think that they're busy right now lining up scripts and writers and stars. And you know, I I always when people ask me about my career, I always say that I play big roles in small movies and small roles in big big movies, and I think the small movies are either getting done non-union. I actually had two jobs that I was lined up to do this um, summer and fall, and they both went non-union. Excuse me, and I I wasn't able to do them, and you know I, I'm I'm not such a believer in the union that I think the union should keep you from working. But at a time like this, when we're on strike and it's such an important strike, I just I just couldn't do the projects non non union. So I did lose two two jobs. They were they were they were small jobs, you know, independent films. But uh, uh, as we talked about Metropolitan and and One BR, you never know where a small film is going to go. No, you never. It, it could take off, and, and I could see because it's still building with the audiences with One BR. It's a fan favorite. I could see that eventually having a screening years down the line. Yeah, I could see it. yeah, yeah. And they've been talking. Alok Alok Mishra, the producer, has been talking about doing a a um, sequel to that. Mm. I, I I'm worried that maybe he waited too long to to get that kind of out there. Uh, um, but I think that they are planning on that. I know you got the ice pick through the neck, but is this like a prequel? Is this something maybe you could be a part of and flashbacks? Well, <laughs> believe me, that's always the problem with dying in a horror movie. Um, I I think it's going to be a a sequel with a prequel part of it where we see where the cult came from. So okay. I would be in that in that part about how the cult grew. Um, but I've not read the script. David 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 Marmer wrote the script, and I and and uh, I haven't. I haven't read the new script, so I don't know how much I'll be in it or not. That's interesting. No, that's the first time I heard about that. Thank you for revealing that. But it's mm-hmm. unfortunate just how everything's just been completely shut down. Because I, I know from just hosting a show and wanting to interview entertainers, and a lot of actors can't do interviews now because of the whole union. Oh, are you having that? Wow. Yeah. yeah of course, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. yeah. Un- un- unfortunately, I don't have any um, movies coming out right now yeah, that, no. I, that, I, that I can't promote. Yeah, it, that's been a struggle for me, and it's it's hit all aspects because you saw how the late night shows they were gone for months, and now they're back, and they're kind of sticking with more musicians, and they can't yeah. do a lot of actors as well. Only yeah. certain ones I noticed. So yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really a problem. Um, it's so funny when I was getting ready for this, for this call, I was thinking about um, how the strike is affecting so many people downstream, you know, caterers and crew members and, you know, coffee shops. I mean, you, you name it. It's, it's, it's really affecting Los Angeles. And I, I think Karen Bass, the mayor of Los Angeles and Gavin Newsom, the governor of California have to get more involved. Yeah. Um, the, the, when the studio heads sat down with, with the writers, they, they made a deal because they need to get those scripts written and those shows lined up and everything ready to go. Actors, unlike stars, are the last people that sort of come on the on the on the bandwagon. And so I think that's why we haven't signed yet. But I I, I think we have to end it and end it soon and get back to work. There's exactly. there's too many other lives at, at stake. I agree. <laughs> Did you see this coming? Has this been for a while now? Because when we look at MLB was about to strike, then you heard all about UPS. This was like the right. year of the strikes. Do you think kind of COVID yeah. might have put things in motion for the yeah, strike? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's a that's a really good question and a really good point. Um, I do think the business has been turned upside down because of streaming, and that was obviously yeah. pushed forward be, be because of the pandemic. You know, I did a show called Pen15 mm-hmm. for um, Hulu, uh, which was really a, a fun show. I was really glad to be a part of it. And I did about 20 episodes. We did two two seasons. And um, normally that would have paid me enough money to last a year or two after the show ends be, because of re- residual payments. And, and I've, I've gotten like no money from the show. And 20 episodes is a, is a lot of episodes. And, and I, I, and, you know, the show is still out there. It was nominated for a couple of Emmys. Uh, the, the two women who created the show are, are really fantastic, but I should have been compensated as the show is, you know, um, getting clicked on to be, you know, viewed anew now or people who go back and watch it again or whatever. And I just, I haven't gotten any money. So in that sense, yeah, I think we were we were primed for a strike, and I'm and and that's why I support the strike. I, I do too, and you guys need to be paid what you're your worth and the work you put in. It makes you think when you start really thinking about the clicks because the clicks on Netflix, the clicks on YouTube, yeah, the ones that social media people use to use snippets. It, it's crazy, probably how much you guys should be making. It's wow. well, it's 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 really a bummer, and I and I think that young actors. You know, I have a I have thirty years of work behind me. I I still get checks from Murder She Wrote. I don't know if you remember that show with Angela Lansbury. Dun 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 dun. dun. You you don't remember Murder She Wrote? No. Oh, a Murder She Wrote. Okay, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about now. Yeah, it, yeah. It was on Sunday nights. Angela Lansbury, who who just died recently, uh, was the played the Jessica. I forgot what her name was, and you know she was a sleuth. She was a writer who would then go solve murders, but. Uh, I, I did those in the early mid nineties and I still get checks from those because it is still making money for the entity that, that, that produced the show. So as the show makes money, everyone down line should, should make some money also. They should. I think you did rise too recently. I think that was about Giannis. Yeah. 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 Really great. Really a great guy. I met him at the premiere of the movie and uh, he, he was actually in the NBA finals when we were shooting Wow. So he didn't he didn't come to the set. We we filmed it all in Greece, uh, but r- really a wonderful story. Two great young men um, who played Giannis and his brother uh, uh, in their in their childhood years. And, you know, it's really a movie about his parents 
And and it's really a movie about what immigration and immigrants can offer the country that they immigrate to. And Giannis is a perfect example. First immigrate, well, he, he was actually born in Greece, but his family first immigrating to Greece and then to the U.S., of course, because of basketball. Yeah. And when we think about your hometown, Magic Johnson's where you're from, Lansing. Very good. I used to, I hate, you know, this sounds so stupid. I used to play basketball with Magic Johnson, but there was an outdoor court in East Lansing. Wow. And when I was young, we would go there and he would, he would hold court. He, he was the man, you know, and he was already well-known. I think uh, Fred Stabler, I think was the news writer for the Lansing state journal who gave Irvin his, his nickname, Magic Johnson. And you know, what a, what a, I mean, I don't know if you saw any of either the HBO series about the, the the Lakers Showtime or Apple did a documentary about Magic. And, you know, he's he, he's just a special person. You know, he's he, a, he was a special athlete, but uh, just a special person, businessman, everything. Yeah, uh, 100%. And, and you have some other hobbies, too, because I heard that you played the guitar. I think you bought an amp. <laughs> Ah. I'm the worst. I don't know if I can swear on this or not. But I'm the worst freaking guitar player in the world. <laughs> but uh, God damn, I love it. You know, I, I love the fretboard. I, I I love learning about it. And it has opened me up. You know, I I started off doing musical musical theater. You know, I, I you know worked in New York in musical theater and then on Colorado. national tours and stuff. Colorado, exactly. And so when I was young, I was into, you know, 42nd Street and, you know, Billy Joel. musicals, yeah, Jesus Christ Superstar, you know, whatever it was. And I I didn't pay much attention to the, the guitar and what an amazing instrument it is. So, yeah, during the pandemic, I, I started playing the guitar and, you know, I can go down a rabbit hole and, you know, wake up like a couple hours later with sore fingers. So... <laughs> And now that you know how to play the guitar a little bit, you could use that in a film if they needed a part, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, I wouldn't say that. I, I don't yeah. know that I could play well <laughs> enough to play, you know, like a Jeff Bridges in uh, the movie that he did that he won the Academy Award where he played the broken down guitar player. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but, I, you know, actors do have to be, uh, um, you know, jack of all trades. You You really do have to be able to learn and pick something up quickly, whether it's playing the piano, a language, uh, you know, playing the guitar or just getting comfortable. You know, in I did this Western movie called Goldmine that is going to come out um, soon. And uh, uh, I don't know if I can actually talk about that now that we're talking about the strike. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I had to learn how to ride a horse. I mean, I've, I've ridden a horse many times, but we had, you know, we had to ride. And uh, so we I took a couple of, you know, lessons with with our stunt coordinator. And, uh, you know, you just have to do that. And sometimes it's not just riding, but it's being around the horse because so many of the scenes that we shot were, you know, putting the saddle on or, you know, talking to someone while we're standing by the horses. And you just need to be comfortable in that environment. You know, when you walk around the horse around the back, you kind of put your hand on their rump so they don't kick you, you know, and you just you just get comfortable. And I think that's one of the fun things about being an actor is becoming a jack of all trades. It just so happens I'm a master of none. (laughs) <laughs> not any you don't think so no no oh man Cer- certainly not the guitar <laughs> <laughs> but there was a big film that you were in jurassic park three laura dern you know sam yeah. neill yeah joe joe huh. johnson directed that and that was produced by uh kennedy marshall kathleen kennedy and 
and uh, Frank Marshall. And uh, I had done Congo, which was directed by Frank Marshall. And so they cast me in really a small part in Jurassic Park 3. But Laura Dern is, you know, sexy, uh, talented, fun, easygoing. Uh, she was she was a delight uh, to work with. Um, Sam had a had a very small part in the scene I was in, uh, but uh, but Joe Joe Johnston was great, and it was really a fun project to be in, you know. And being in those big movies is just fun, you know. The the, the lunch is really good, and you know all that kind of stuff. Yeah, the Spielberg budget, <laughs> crazy, unbelievable. Crazy. Yeah. You've been around some big guys, Ben Affleck too. I think you were around him back in, mm-hmm. in a while ago too. You know, it, it's interesting because. Um, I, I did the movie Boiler Room with Ben Affleck just as he was taken off. You know, he was he was pretty well known after um, Goodwill Hunting. And I, I, it was a couple of years after Goodwill Hunting and he was really taken off. And he had not a big part in Boiler Room. It was m- mainly um, Giovanni Rabisi and Vin Diesel. And they were also, you know, coming up. Ben Younger was the writer director of the film. And it's 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 really a good film. But what I want to say about Ben is he could have easily phoned that in. You know, he was kind of a star. He only worked a couple of days, um, but he didn't. He, he, he took the job seriously. He he's great in the film. He has a big long monologue. I don't know if you've seen the film or seen it recently, but he has a big long monologue and he, he fucking nailed it, man. And that's, that's why I really like, those kinds of actors because they show up and they do their work and it's good. You've spoken about it before. Sometimes we think that it's the bigger people that will be difficult to work with or kind of shrug it off. It's usually the people that are down more on the scale that are like, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's the other way around. The, The big actors want you to be good so that they can be better and that the project will be better. And the big actors you know, have strong enough egos where they're not fragile and they're not worried about someone outshining them or something like that. It's totally the actors that are the B-list stars that are paranoid that they're, you know, someone's going to outshine them or paranoid that they're going to be found out as really not being a great actor that oftentimes don't work hard enough in the projects. They don't learn their lines fast enough. They don't, they don't, they don't really do the work that I think good actors want to do. I want to do the research about the character. I want to learn the, I want to, I want to play around going back all the way to James Garner, you know, on, on man of the people, James Garner used to rehearse with me, this kid who was his first job in TV all the time, if I wanted to, but I don't, I don't know if I should say any names, but you know, some of the actors on some of the TV shows or, or, or movies can be real assholes. And it's like, Hey man, I'm here for you. You know, this is your show. You're the star of the show. You're the one making a million dollars an episode. I, I, I'm working for scale, you know, so don't be an <laughs> asshole to me. And and it's just, it's it's depressing. And I don't mind seeing those guys fail. And they're mostly guys. <laughs> no, I like this, though. You're really out in the open here. No, I agree. Like, you'll see how there's something. I've noticed it, like, on certain places that I've been. Yeah, they they treat, and I just heard stories, especially if you're a stuntman in this. I've interviewed a couple of stuntmen, and they're really treated terribly by some of the yeah. big stars. Yeah. 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 You know, it's really funny you say stuntmen because I was in Perry Mason 
And uh, uh, without giving it away, at the end of the film, I have to do a a fairly physical, not film, at the end of the series, um, I have to do a fairly physical death scene. And, uh, you know, I I, want to do it. You know, it's like, I I can do it, man. I'm I'm an active, healthy, strong, you know, guy. I can do this. I've had stage training. But the stunt guy who shows up, it's his opportunity to work too, you know, and he wants to work and he wants to do it. So usually I find a way that I can do most of the stunt with the acting part. And then when it comes to the big fall or, or, you know, whatever it is, I'll let the stunt guy do it. But partly because I want them to work also, you know, they're, they're there. They had to grow a beard or had to shave or, you know, get in wardrobe and, you know, kind of learn the character and the scene. And so uh, I, I always feel for, someone like Tom Cruise's stuntman who never gets to work. You know? no. <laughs> oh man. Unbelievable. I mean, during this time now, when we look back just on everything that you've accomplished this far, I know you want to direct your feature film and you've switched agents before. Cause you felt as though that certain things, you just wanted to change it up. Like you take control of your destiny. Did you have more of a kind of reflection process during the strike about what else do you want for your career? Oh man, that's a great question. That's a great question. Um, I've been keeping a journal since 1987 and uh, like 20 years be- before you were born probably. Yeah. And, uh, or 15 years, I'm guessing. Yeah, I was born in 1999, the last oh, okay. great okay. year of the, yeah. what we know it to be. I love the 90s. Which, which means you you have the chance to live in, in three three different decades, uh, uh, three different centuries. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's that's kind of cool, man. It is. Um, But the strike and keeping the journal definitely gets me thinking about that. And, and if anything, I... I think the issue that I have had lately is I haven't been taking enough risk. And that's something that I talk to my acting students about. That's something that I talk to young actors about. You've got to take risks. You've got to fail. You've got to fail. And I think maybe in the last that getting, getting through the pandemic and kind of looking back at the last, you know, five, six, eight years of my life, I'm not taking the risks that I took when I was younger, moving out to LA, be, becoming an actor in the first place, moving to New York, um, doing this project, doing that project, you know, making that phone call. You know, you reached out to me, you, you made that first step. And I think that's, that's really important. And we have to do that. And I think that's the one thing that I have realized about myself in the downtime of the pandemic, in the downtime of the strike, especially that maybe I need to kick myself in the butt a little bit more and, and fail. You know, go down, go down swinging at least, but, but, but fail because I do believe failure is the quickest way to, to success. Yeah, that's true. That's how you grow. You grow from your mistakes. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I say that to my children. I say that to my, to my students and and hearing it from you is like, yeah, you know, (laughs) so Lansing, we know that's where you're from, Michigan. Are you a Lions fan? You know, I'm a Vikings fan. Vikings. Yeah, and I think I'm the youngest of three, and I uh, three three boys, and I think I just was going for something different. You know, I, I didn't want with the purple people eaters, and Fran Tarkenton was the quarterback, and I, I just I like their uniforms, I like their helmets, uh, so I'm a, I'm a Vikings fan. 
is that work for the Twins? Too? Are you kind of on the twin side? Too? No, no, I'm a, I'm a I'm a Tigers fan all the Tigers. way. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> basketball Although I got to tell you I, I I gave up on baseball a little bit I I sh- I played it all through high school I really enjoyed it uh but I I I don't watch much baseball I don't know why yeah I said it wasn't realistic when I was watching the game last night cuz they have so many new wild cards for just basically every team to make it so now you're watching the Astros right. they have all this right. all-star talent and then the Rangers that really don't have that much talent but they're beating them and it just doesn't make any sense Well what do you think about the new rules in the game Pitch yeah, like clock the and... pitch clock. Yeah, I don't like that. I, I mean, they say it speeds up the game, but I don't think I haven't really noticed a difference. It's still three yeah. hours long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm more of a basketball football guy. Yeah, yeah. 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 Are you I'm Pistons? A, fan? I'm a basketball guy. No, I'm a Lakers fan. Lakers and, fan. And Matt, I think it was because Irvin Irvin Johnson Magic came out, and and you know that was also Showtime and. And uh, I just became a Lakers fan. I liked all those guys, and and I still follow them. I like LeBron James a lot. I you know I I think he's great. I think he's doing great things in his life, and and uh, so I'm a Lakers fan. Yeah, Kobe too. Yeah, Kobe too. Tragic. Yeah, tragic. Ago. Yeah, it's really it's hard to think that he's gone, but yeah. It's it's still surreal. Things haven't been right since then. I think I, yeah. I said it since Kobe, when Kobe passed away. That's when everything went downhill. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny, you know. L.A. L.A. is a city of murals. I don't know if you knew that, but there's murals all over the city. It's a very sort of established art form. It's on highway uh, uh, walls and and uh, buildings. And there's a lot of murals with Kobe in it. Kobe and his daughter, yeah. and Kobe and and things that Kobe has said, and you know, it's it, it's it's a really beautiful way to mo- memorialize um, someone. Oh, I, I agree. How about music today? Are you a music guy? Because I know you mentioned Forty Second Street. Are you a fan of like today's music? You know, I gotta tell you, I am so fucking out of it. It's <laughs> awful, and that's why I'm digging playing the guitar because I'm learning all this shit that I should have learned a long time ago. Um, I just spent 10 hours in a car with a buddy driving back from Park City. And uh, I, 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 I was, you know, I love it now that when they, when Spotify plays something, you see the song, you see the, you see the artist, you see the title, you see the album. And it's like, it's, it's like school for me. You know, it's <laughs> like, oh, that's who that is. I always knew that name. It's so, I'm the last person you want on your show to talk about music. Oh. <laughs> you know, I, li- I like Van Morrison. I like the Beatles and I like show, show tunes. Yeah. It's just disgusting. <laughs> but, you know, when we look back on it, I think you could look back and say, at least I wasn't a, a great middle manager at a car company. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where you found that quote, but that is definitely true. Uh, and, and you know, that's where I first started taking a risk. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I don't know why I stopped, you know, um, but someone said to me, uh, you're going to be a great middle manager at a car company. I almost shot myself. So, <laughs> I moved to New York after that. You made the right move all the way yeah. from Michigan, graduating there and pursuing acting in Colorado, New York. Now you're out in LA. Have you thought about relocating out of LA or you're, you know, it's funny you say that. Um, I, I have, uh, um, partly because the business is changing, you know, and you don't need to be in LA as much because of auditions. You can do those re- remotely. Um, there's so much more work that is being done 
um, on location. So it doesn't matter if fly if I fly to Vancouver from L.A. or if I fly fly to Vancouver from Colorado or something like that. Um, so I, I have thought of that. I I do like Los Los Angeles. I mean, today it's you know seventy five degrees and it's sunny. And like I said, I rode the bike this morning and uh, um, I teach a class at UCLA and I'll ride there this evening. And, you know, you can't do that in Connecticut in no, like a month or two from now. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I do like L.A. I have a lot of friends here, but, you know, I've been here a long time. And that, and I think you're right. I, I, I really miss the East Coast. I really miss New York. Uh, I, I worked a fair amount in, in um, um, Connecticut in the theater. Oh. And uh, I would like to be in more of a metropolitan area. I think you'll be second guessing once you feel that first wind gust come here from the winter. <laughs> and you have to scrape the ice off your windows. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, I'm not looking forward to it. I'm yeah, telling you, it's yeah. coming. Uh, Taylor Nichols, man, is there anything else you would love to let your fans know? Anything else that you have on the way here that we didn't speak about today? No, you, you listen, man, you did your homework. It was really nice to meet you and to talk to you. I, I, you know, after you first contacted me, I've listened to your show a couple of times and I really dig your show. I dig your style. Uh, very, very loose and fun. And, uh, I hope people enjoyed this as much as I have enjoyed your other shows. There's a lot of them. You, 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 you cover the gambit. So they're all good. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. Taylor Nichols. It means a lot. I want you to take care, stay safe. You're always welcome on the show. Anything that you want to have to promote, you're always welcome back on the show. Thanks. Let me let me ask you a question. Where'd your name come from? Mm, Mad Max. I think people used to just call me that, you know, because it's just so easy because that was a movie and then it, it's been in hip hop lyrics. So people yeah. just gave me that name and it just kind of clicked from there. People used to call me Maximilian. So I think I took the couple different names and just. Yeah, Mad Max just goes. <laughs> and made it and made it your own. I love it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, Taylor, man, I want you to take care. Stay safe. You know, let's hope this actor strike ends very soon so that you, we both can get back out there. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Do some yeah. things. All right. Mad Max, Taylor. thanks, man. Of course. Anytime, man. Enjoy the rest of your night. Same to you. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.